Tertullian Resolve or a Lord Halifax Approach? That's the inspiration I got the other day. As 2022 approaches, we see various national security crises appearing to erupt around the globe. The American national security elite are steadily increasing the beat of war drums to defend the border of Ukraine while leaving our borders wide open to human traffickers, drug cartel terrorists, and other potential bad actors from all over the globe. And meanwhile, the Chinese Communist People's Liberation Army threatens our ally Taiwan nearly every single day with incursions of their airspace by very large formations of combat aircraft and threatening allied naval forces in the South China Sea and the Northern Pacific. The question for today's guest is the title. Are we at a point where we must stand our ground like Churchill with our allies, or do we seek negotiated settlements? Are these adversaries like the Hitler and Mussolini uh, Churchill and Halifax faced in 1940 when Halifax proposed seeking a negotiated peace with Germany as the British Expeditionary Force was retreating to Dunkirk and France was falling? Well, today we'll take a deep dive into these issues as many of us are telling the U.S. government the United States has no interest in sacrificing our young Americans for Ukraine's border and a very weak Biden administration is comfortably numb by its close relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. Renowned defense policy expert and warrior, my friend, retired U.S. Army colonel and former senior defense department official, John Mills joins me today as my guest once again. John, welcome back to the Rob Mana Show. All right. It's always an honor to be with you, Rob. Thank you so much. Yeah, we appreciate you having, having you on. Uh, now, my title for my show was inspired by a getter post that you did the other day. Uh, you know, Churchillian Resolve or and No Lord Halifax Moments. What did you mean by that? With considering the current geopolitical uh, disarray we're seeing today? Well, uh, most Americans, if they're aware of Churchill, might have seen the most recent movie. Uh, I think it's something like uh, Dark, The Darkest Hour. And mm -hmm. uh, Lord Halifax was one of the uh, contemporaries, uh, was actually the preference for the Conservative Party in England uh, as a uh, 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 Chamberlain was clearly not up to the task, also was dying of cancer. Uh, Lord Halifax, uh, I mean, uh, in, in June of 40, May, June of 40, Churchill came in to a uh, uh, England that was just not ready. And yet uh, Hitler's armies and air force were all were, were, were on the move. Lord Halifax was the leader who, uh, after the fall of France, um, wanted to negotiate, negotiate an end, uh, which would have been disastrous, horrible, and essentially would have subjugated the free world to uh, uh, the totalitarian regime. Uh, absolutely unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So um, now I do have a bit of sympathy for Lord Halifax and others. Most of them had sons, relatives, uh, uh, brothers, uncles that uh, were, were, were slaughtered in the First World War, and, and they wanted to do anything possible to avoid a, a reprise of just the horrible and senseless slaughter of the First World War. Got it. Mm -hmm. but World War II was a war of maneuver, not a war of, of just trench warfare slaughter. 
Lord Halifax wanted to negotiate an end, uh, negotiate things with a bad person. Things never turn out well when you negotiate with a bad person. I would. Uh, so in this current environment, uh, that was uh, somebody was uh, essentially essentially um, saying it's over with Taiwan. Uh, I've always hated that comment, and I would hear it inside the government. That uh, an ally, a trusted ally and partner, that sours a relationship. Even if you don't say that in front of them, they know it. They can feel it. I hated that attitude. I think it's a very, very unprofessional, unwise attitude. And somebody was grousing about that on uh, uh, one of my followers was grousing about that. And I was just lovingly admonished them. Uh, hey, we need we need Churchillian resolve. We don't need more Lord. Anybody can be a Lord Halifax. We need more Churchills. Yeah, you know, uh, we face, a, a, you know, two adversaries right now. I think the Chinese Communist Party is the, the primary adversary. I, I really don't. I don't discount Russia's nuclear arsenal and Russia's conventional capability, but they just don't have the economic foundation to, to perpetuate anything long term uh, against an alliance like NATO or even against the United States uh, alone. But what we do see is this constant, you know, you're hearing from the elites, uh, we, uh, we got to go to war in Ukraine. And on the other hand, you're hearing nothing about Taiwan. Yeah. So I know, I know you're, you're, you're very, you're an expert in these areas, especially in the Taiwan area. So I wanted to ask you what, what it, bring us up to date on what's going on with Taiwan. I know I'm watching uh, daily, but I don't dive as deep as somebody like you does. Uh, and I know they're still flying airplanes into their airspace, uh, making threats or publishing articles in their, uh, their communist newspaper. I think it's what the global times, uh, making overt threats to the United States. Uh, so what's, what's going on there today? Now, there is an accelerated pathway to conflict. I mean, I think there's several components to it. First, she is as bad as we have it here with a, uh, a leader who oftentimes exhibits, they don't even realize that they are the president uh, and does not, I mean, I think seriously has cognitive issues mm -hmm. uh, and is a poster child for the 25th Amendment. Um, but she is uh, as bad as we have it here. Uh, she is under even more immense pressure at home. The economy is tanked. Uh, the, the, with Legrand and the financial situation, uh, the, the government is essentially seizing um, seizing savings accounts. Um, the liquidity is gone. Uh, the government, so they're 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 out. Of, they're, their economy is a mess. They are dependent upon us for food. Essentially, fifty percent of their food is imported. Imagine if America was in that situation, mm -hmm. and uh, essentially they are dependent on foreign energy. So, as as great as uh, you know, the Chinese economic miracle—they can't feed their people, they can't fuel their country. So um, they got problems, and uh, she has been on a rampage, uh, essentially consolidating par power and eliminating uh, personalities who feel he feels are threats. So. First of all, is she under immense pressure at home? Bad situation whenever a totalitarian is under pressure at home. Yeah. Uh, but the other other things that are that are going on, um, 
I mean, so, so that's all driving uh, a, a, an accelerated time schedule, I believe, for doing something. It's still not totally clear. But one of the other elements is just the rapid uh, buildup of naval capability. It's just been breathtaking over the last two years. I mean, not since Churchill revitalized the Royal Navy in response to the perceived German threat uh, at the turn of the century, the uh, into the 20th century, and uh, him and Jackie Fisher just ex exploded the uh, Royal Navy. Uh, the, the, the breathtaking pace of the PLAN uh, is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, also, they're, they're, they are demonstrating uh, yeah, the air sorties, and they're doing that in more frequent and shorter gaps between these surges. And as, as a former aviator, you know, it's flying is all about maintenance, 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 yeah. maintenance, and the ability to regenerate an aircraft and regenerate a sortie. It's all about the art of maintenance. And mm -hmm. I'm concerned because their their surges, the size of their surges have increased, and the and the time period between surges has decreased. Uh, also, a huge indicator, and this is the one two years ago was saying I, I I'm I'm not I was saying I'm not seeing yet the ability for a forced amphibious landing. Now they have what we would call large flat depth uh, uh, amphibs. Mm -hmm. Equivalent to our uh, uh, potentially our, our essentially our America class LHA or LHDs, right? Then uh, you usually have the you know, an associated what's called a, a large amphibious dock an LPD, a large a landing ship dock LSD. Um, but the real indicator is what they the China has now copied. They understood our our ability. To, generate and project naval force is about what we call the military sea lift command. Mm -hmm. And then this large flotilla of vessels called the national defense reserve fleet that when they're inactive fall under maritime administration in the department of uh, transportation. And they're kept at, uh, I believe it's like 15, you know, five, 15, 30 and 45 day alert. These are about 300 ships some of which are, are relatively new, most of which actually in need of recapitalization. Um, but th those ships provide immense lift capacity, uh, uh, unique capabilities. And this is, the, this is the significant art form. It's called joint logistics over the shore operations, J-LOTS, J-LOTS. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, I was not seeing that JLOTS capability, much of which is provided in our in our naval environment by the military SEALIF command and the NDR, NDRF force. Yeah. Now they have fully developed a, a they have mimicked our MSC and our NDRF. They are essentially hmm. at this point, they're they're showing intent and they're showing now robust capability, which has never been tried in a real situation but they're now demonstrating that capability this is concerning that is that is very concerning you know when, especially when you combine that with the live exercises uh, uh, out at sea to defeat a carrier battle group that's modeled on the united states carrier battle groups uh, and you combine that there i mean they're putting up to upwards of 50 aircraft up at one time 
into the airspace of Taiwan. And if they're decreasing timeframes between that, that tells you that they're, they're doing what's called quick turning of their combat aircraft and they're practicing that uh, because that is the, the quintessential uh, American way of doing air operations. And that is to overwhelm the defensive systems with as many aircraft and airstrikes as possible, uh, first against key targets like air defense systems, uh, but uh, in order to be successful at that, you have to be able to follow that on very rapidly with other aircraft strikes to go after the wider target sets uh, that, you know, do things like logistics and, uh, and uh, supply and communications and those kinds of things. And you combine that uh, with now a joint uh, over-the-shore capability, uh, it sure looks like they're prepping very aggressively for an amphibious assault of some sort with heavy air support, if not air op offensive air operations prior to that to soften it up. Yeah, very, very concerning. They have now, now again, if I was a PLA, PLAN planner, and that's, that's really my core thing. I've done a lot of things, but if I had to be my singular core function and always was a planner, if I was a planner, I would still be being. I would be concerned and expressing that that to my bosses in in China, and and uh, we're still not totally there yet. And uh, but as they see a weakened United States with an enfeebled leader uh, and uh, uh, essentially a tyranny of the minority that uh, are are most of the population of the United States that have wokeified our military, they see that and they potentially, my concern, we have 90 days to de-woke the U.S. military hmm. because my grave concern is in the immediate aftermath of the Beijing Olympics in February, just like so the Russian Sochi Olympics in 2014, uh, Putin played the game, did his little, uh, did his little uh, Winter Olympics, and then as soon as it was over, bam, they went into gear against the Ukraine. Yep. Imagine, uh, and again, the neocons, the war hawks, they are all a flutter over Russia and the Ukraine. But if you look at the force structure, the force lay down, I mean, the Russian military is a pittance of what it used to be. Yeah. Most of their frontline activities are, are essentially uh, occupied and conducted by very poorly trained, not even conscripts. Many of them are volunteers that have been lied to about the great riches they will re receive for uh, going off to fight for the motherland. So most of the frontline forces for, for Russia are very poorly trained, very poorly equipped. Putin will bring in some of his regular forces, which is not a whole lot, pour some gas on the flames, uh, on, on the embers in Ukraine, and that'll distract enough of, enough of, uh, of, the, of the Biden administration that China will feel in, basically empowered to do whatever they're going to do. Is it a move against Taiwan? Maybe. As you, as you noticed, most of the air activity against Taiwan has been to the south. Why has it been to the south? Well, it's pretty obvious and intuitive. Uh, if you get into the north, you start to get into the combined uh, Japanese-American air and naval capabilities. 
And uh, so uh, if you noticed, all, almost all of the incursions have been around the south, uh, from the south. And that's because what's to the south of Taiwan? The Philippines, which has Zippo, Zippo, yeah. nada, nothing, no fast movers, no, 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 no fighter aircraft. Um, mm -hmm. But they want to seize that gap. Uh, you know, no longer do they want to blow up Taiwan. They need the chips. But what they want to do is secure that that critical ask because they can't go north. They go north. They mm -hmm. run into the combined Japanese and American forces. But if they go to the south, Philippines has nothing. They secure the left shoulder, which is Taiwan, the right shoulder, which is the Philippines. Then they have unfettered access to the deep uh, to, to the deep uh, and big Pacific. And that leads me to one of the questions I have for you, John. Uh, you mentioned Japan and uh, the Japanese now have an aircraft carrier that our Marines have demonstrated they can fly the F-35 off of uh, very recently. Uh, but we haven't taken the steps to deter this from happening, which is what gives me pause for concern that the neocons might get their way and that the Russians and the Chinese communists are talking to each other uh, and when Putin goes after Eastern Ukraine, Xi goes after Taiwan, uh, and we do nothing because the, the 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 guy in the White House knows the American people just aren't there. We're going to put our foot down about the Ukraine. We don't want to protect somebody else's border when we're not even protecting our own. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no vital national interest there. Uh, not even a NATO vital interest there, really. To be honest with you. Uh, when you come down and you look at the real situation. Uh, but in the Pacific, our alliances are not as, uh, uh, they're not as uh, tied together like the NATO alliances. So what are we looking at with the capability uh, to rapidly arm up a coalition alliance of, say, the Japanese, India, Australia, and South Korea to meet this challenge uh, which will have to be very quickly. Yeah, there's, uh, I, I think we need to know that the Biden administration is as messed up it is. Uh, in many ways, the D Department of Defense and state has been in many ways following through on a lot of uh, the Trump initiatives uh, related to Taiwan. But we need to be even more uh, demonstrable in our capabilities. We need to dewoke the military. That's a danger that is cancerous. But we need to, we got 90 days to really move logistics forward, ordinance forward, and get ready. Um, and, 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 and we need to start addressing the industrial base and security, the industrial base, base to strikes. Because once this starts, it's not, it's, the goal is not Taiwan. It's no longer Taiwan. In fact, they need Taiwan alive and unspoiled for the chips. This is about hitting the second island chain and beyond. The second island chain is Ulithi and Palau, which are not sovereign American territory, but the next three of Guam, Saipan, and Tinia, and those are sovereign, that is sovereign American territory. Uh, but they're really about coming through the gap between Taiwan and the Philippines and really going after the second. And then the third island chain, that's really Midway, Johnson, and this state called Hawaii, if you haven't heard about it. And uh, mm -hmm. so this is extremely concerning because once this starts, it's the big game. It is world war. This is not minor. So 
Ukraine and Russia is a distraction. Mm-hmm. The main game is China. The, the main event is China. And once this starts, and it likely will, um, China's going to have to go all the way, including uh, nuclear strikes on American territory. I would not, this, I don't know what else to say here. I'm not trying to scare people. Mm-hmm. If you study the Chinese tactics, if you study what they say, uh, uh, they are very, very, uh, <clears throat> you know, they are very clear about, uh, it, was, it was just 2014, 2015, they put out a lot of information about the effects of Chinese nuclear strikes on American territory. Uh, this is this is real. So I, I, the good news is, Pete, uh, we have a president, we have an occupant of the White House with a historic unpopularity, even on his own side. It is utterly obvious to everyone. Uh, the polling data is well into the high 50s, low 60s of those on all sides who feel that this person stole the election and is not the rightful occupant of the right house. I'm sorry. Um, We have unprecedented censorship by even our own side, such as Fox News. Um, But we need to get ready. Uh, The bottom line is we, the the American Japanese Alliance is strong. Uh, and the key term is interoperability. So we know how to lose mm-hmm. our Link 16s and, and, and our Harpoons and our Mark 48s. I mean, there is a lot of interoperability there to the, you know, Taiwan, uh, a lot of interoperability. We need to move, we need to move ordinance and war reserve ordinance to give them the war reserve ordinance they need need to move that up to the south of the American Australian alliances is strong and we need to do and 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 in many ways India is part of this game the informal uh, grouping of the quad which is India Australia Japan and the United States uh, because when this kicks off um, one of the mortal enemies of China is India and we should be doing whatever it takes to create a uh, a, an alliance with India. India is our is our kindred spirit in these matters, uh, as as, it, as as they would be regardless, uh, even in peacetime. Uh, we have a we have a deep uh, uh, we have a deep relationship with India, and let's let's develop that even further. But the Quad, if you look at the battle lineup when it t- comes to the Quad versus China. It's still an uphill game for China, but that doesn't yeah. mean that they're not going to try. And it doesn't mean that once this starts, I mean, they've had a rapid buildup on their nuclear capabilities. Once this starts, it's going to very likely go nuclear. Well, you, t- you touched on it. Xi and the Communist Party are desperate to hold on to power. And internally, they're extremely weak. Uh, their economy's collapsing. Uh, you know, their big pieces like uh, Legrand and all that are, are completely imploding. Uh, so they're desperate, and usually what happens is, with totalitarians like that is they start some type of military adventure. Uh, and uh, the, the times are absolutely perfect. The stars are lining up for this. Uh, but the key for us as professionals is always to uh, be strong enough to deter an enemy from deciding to de- take this step. What are we doing and what have we not done yet that we that we uh, in the professional world have told the Biden administration, you need to do this and you need to do it now? Uh, yeah, more and more planning uh, exercises and rock drills between the Indo-Pacific Indo, uh, Command uh, staff, 
and uh, and Taiwan, and we need to do uh, need to do more of that. Now there actually has been a lot going on. Now, I'm no longer inside. I'm no longer you know part mm -hmm. of it, but um, it is uh, from all the unclassified releases. It is it is it is it is continuing to increase. And uh, you know there's places where you can look at the uh, um, watch uh, aviation tracker and watch aircraft movements, and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, U.S. DOD aircraft have been flying with their transponders on intentionally mm -hmm. because we want to be sending a message here, but but that are flying into and out of Taiwan. But we need to we need to do more of that. We need to do more training. Um, uh, you know, it was even uh, I can't remember it was a year ago. Uh, uh, you couldn't find it almost anywhere except for an obscure Taiwan newspaper, but. Uh, MARSOC, Mar Marine Special Operations Command, MARSOC PAC, had a, uh, a training team, which was one of my, as I was retiring, one of my, my recommendations was more mm -hmm. and more, we would call them JSET, Joint Combined Exchange Training Programs between our special operation elements and a, and a key partner. So that was one of my things was ramp up the JSETs. Uh, and that appears to be happening. Uh, and, uh, but I would also move, uh, large stocks of ammunition, artillery, uh, harpoon missiles, uh, 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 a number of capabilities forward and essentially forward logger them in Taiwan. This could be, we could pull these out of us war reserve in our, in our, the different, uh, war reserve, uh, ordinance holding areas in, uh, in Hawaii and the West coast. I, I move those forward uh, to the second island chain to Taiwan, um, and I would I would uh, do whatever it takes to rapidly build up the ability to repair and regenerate ships forward. So that means uh, we don't have a whole lot of floating dry docks anymore, but um, and uh, I know where they are. Uh, I would move some of those forward so that we can have a robust capability on the second island chain to uh, repair ships and return them to or promptly return them to, to action. Uh, we need to look at special arrangements with some of the U S West coast shipyards and uh, make and start to place them on a, essentially a war footing. Um, and, and any, any kind of ordinance that we can uh, easily ramp up the, what are called IDIQ orders uh, instead of buying 500 Lorazms, we should be buying 1500 Lorazms. Yeah. So, um, uh, we really need to, we just, this is going to be a missile sh shootout. So you can never have enough ammunition in a shootout. Uh, long range anti-ship missile, uh, for Lorazms folks. <laughs> the, uh, uh, I get all that, but what I'm not seeing is, is the steps being taken from the Biden regime that would, that would prevent something from happening after the winter Olympics, as you described. Uh, and, and that's very concerning uh, because, you know, you already went down the trail uh, there to all the way to nuclear weapons use uh, very, very quickly if that occurs. Uh, and, uh, and then on the other side of the world in Europe, you've got the Ukraine-Russian situation and, and the elites uh, in the West, the, the foreign policy and national security elites are pushing for some type of conflict. Uh, to protect the Ukraine's eastern border from Russia. Uh, and uh, that's why a lot of folks believe that there's going to be some type of 
there, there is some type of compact between the Russians and the Chinese Communist Party uh, to act in concert, if not as an alliance with each other uh, when this goes down, because it sure looks like uh, they're on that path unless the allies uh, led by the United States take the appropriate actions. And, and I just don't see a, enough of it happening, happening fast enough uh, to get that job done. Yeah, well, we want we want to be visible on this because visible sends a message. It sends a message of resolve. Resolve is a hugely important aspect of deterrence. And uh, so we need to do more of that. Again, I, I, I'm always going to try to give credit where credit's due. And in, in some some ways, uh, uh, Blinken and um, Austin at DOD have made some of the most uh, strongest statements in, in post-World War II history uh, uh, of the intent to uh, uh, defend uh, Taiwan. But it also has been inconsistent and twice Biden has made comments that has provoked and enraged the Chinese about Taiwan, and then immediately a bevy of Gen Psaki robot automaton look lookalikes are rolled out to essentially roll back the president's statement. Or Blinken will say something strongly in support of Taiwan, and then we'll then we'll go back to the mealy mouth. Well, there's a one China policy, and I think they ought to be clear about that. Yeah, and I was always. When I was uh, doing the international relations and, uh, uh, you know, Taiwan was one of our key cyber partners. And I, I, I traveled there and was worked very closely with the three stars on the Ministry of National Defense staff. And I'd always mm -hmm. say, yeah, there's, there, is, there is only one China. And that's that big country over to the left. Yeah. You, are the, country of, you are the country of Taiwan. And I think that's what we got to just yeah. come out and say. I mean, Taiwan... Taiwanese are offended when you call them Chinese, and most ignorant mm. folks will just, uh, even if even of Asian persuasion, will say, "Well, they're just Chinese." No, they aren't. No, they aren't. And they stopped being Chinese roughly twenty years ago. So mm. you're you're egging on and encouraging and aiding and abetting uh, the communist China when you say that. This is the new country of Taiwan, and I did say country. So. This is mm -hmm. uh, this is very important. And we just Biden. Uh, uh, if Biden is 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 mentally incapable, which in all seriousness, this, we, we this is a crisis in itself. But at least those with a, a any shred of, of intellectual honesty and uh, thought for the goodness, if they're not totally sold out and bought and paid for, and I and I and I believe there are a few uh, a few inside the administration. I think most are. are are incompetent, ideologically uh, unsalvageable, uh, or totally bought and paid for. But there are a few, mm -hmm. and in the name of God, now is the time to really, we don't want to be looking back 50 years from now and explaining how we essentially aided and abetted uh, mass, horrible, horrible mass casualties and loss of life in the United States by our ineffective, inconsistent, uh, and weak approach toward, uh, toward, toward uh, communist China. Ambiguity and weakness causes war, not strength and deterrence and resolve. Well, well, you know, deterrence works if you have clarity of political will, resolve, and strategic objectives. You have to have clarity in that. 
but it also work. But you have to be ambiguous in your intent to use things like nuclear weapons. Uh, that's what makes nuclear deterrence works. Because if you do what two high-level Americans have done in recent months uh, and say uh, we don't rule out the use of first use of nuclear weapons, and the latest was Senator Roger Wicker from Mississippi uh, threatening first use of nuclear weapons against Russia over the eastern part of Ukraine, for goodness sake. Uh, that is where your deterrence model uh, can collapse. But clarity in your objectives, clarity in your political will, and clarity in your moves of military force, diplomatic uh, and information force, and economic force is key to that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, you just hit the nail on the head. A lot of, pe a lot of people think that uh, that you should be talking about using nuclear weapons, but actually that opens you up to a, a potential first strike. I mean, we're open that right now to Putin using nuclear weapons on NATO uh, because we've openly threatened it. And back in the summer when General Milley told the Chinese that he would call them if we were going to attack them uh, when President Trump was in office, that opens us up to a first strike if the Chinese were uh, considering going after Taiwan or something else. Uh, so it's just incredibly bad uh, to be uh, too, uh, to be unambiguous on using things like nuclear weapons and be ambiguous on your strategic objectives, your political will. And that's what I see happening is, uh, especially with the Chinese Communist Party, is we are ambiguous with our strategic objectives and our political will and our ability to muster our allies in order to defend uh, the country of Taiwan or, or all of our interests out in the Pacific from an aggressive Chinese Communist uh, Party in the PLA. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. It's very, it, it is very so important to demonstrate clarity, to demonstrate resolve and, uh, and, uh, and I apologize, I probably should, uh, I need to refresh my memory. For years, our policy on nuclear weapons was we reserve the right of first use, period. And that was some total of our policy. There was a little bit of ambiguity in there. And, and, and that's, that, that was a, a very calculated, in many ways, yes. wise use of, of, of a little bit. We're, we're going to say we reserve the right of first use, i.e. don't provoke us. Because we True. really use nuclear weapons if, if necessary. But but now, um, you know, I, I don't even know what our policy is anymore. I don't think I don't think uh, this current current occupant has clearly stated what our policy is. But when they're fighting like crazy to get uh, the nuclear tip tomahawks that the, the, the first term of the Trump administration wisely uh, sped out to the Navy and 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 the regime is trying to get our nuclear tip tomahawks back off the ships i mean that is a dangerous dangerous statement of weakness it is absolutely a dangerous statement of weakness i, th I think uh you know on the on the subject of ambiguity and clarity you know the statement about uh, that's in our nuclear policy in presidential memorandum and those kind of things about reserving the right to use first use is one thing but to threaten it in an actual tactical situation is why we keep in ambiguity in that uh, yeah. because we don't want them to
to, to say to themselves, oh, we better strike them first or they're going to use it on us. Uh, that's the issue with ambiguity versus not uh, in the, the use of nuclear weapons. It just opens you up uh, to that first strike potential from somebody that probably wasn't even thinking about it before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Senator, the senator's comments, I thought, were, and that is, that was, uh, it was just reckless. It was unwise. And again, our policy should just be, we reserve the right to, to a, a first use of nukes, period, and leave it at that. But uh, the, the Senator Wicker came out and just made these you know, over the top. And this is a Republican, mind you, a Republican, yeah. mind you. So this is just an, 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 an saying we need to immediately use nuclear weapons on Russia because of, you know, a pathetically in the big picture and scale of things and a, a small level encroachment upon minor border territory. Mm -hmm. And yet we're going to nuke Russia over that totally irresponsible comment, inappropriate, uh, does not in any way advance American interests and is not America first declaring right. we're going to nuke Russia because of this, this, in the scale and scope of things, this pathetic trench warfare on the border that they're going to they're going to pour some gas on, we're going to cause worldwide calamity because of that. No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, it's uh, he, he he was just absolutely preposterous. So so John, you know, to get back to our our main uh, uh, you know the title of uh, Churchillian Resolve, no Lord Halifaxes. You know, the geopolitical playing field is different than it was in 1940. We're, there aren't bullets flying uh, at any of our forces or our allies with these two particular adversaries. Uh, but it's even, uh, it's even dramatically different from the early 90s when the Soviet Union fell. Uh, you know, Russia is not a communist country anymore. Uh, and... Uh, uh, and China is not a communist country that was like the USSR, where we had a, a dedicated Cold War strategy to prevent them from economically being a viable uh, entity that could sustain some type of all-out war against the West and the United States from a nuclear perspective or, or even a conventional perspective. We haven't done that with China. We've done the opposite. We've built, helped them build their economy. We let we still let them into our stock market without having to meet the same standards that American companies do. We have American uh, uh, big money folks that that refuse to get these communist party owned or PLA owned companies that look like they're civilian uh, to the average American or the average person in the world out of our country uh, because they're doing operations in this country to hurt us. They're hurting us internally. They have propaganda operations, educational operations to, to change our children uh, and all kinds of things. But we continue to do the thing with the Chinese Communist Party that we would never have considered with the Russian Soviet Union. And that's why the Soviet Union fell. It was about economics and political will and the ability to, uh, to, uh, uh, to really outspend them. It really was. Right, right. We need a grand strategy. Uh, now, I think the wording is the, the current occupant, as opposed to the first term of the Trump administration, where they said uh, uh, great power competition. Um, 
they've they've tweaked it a bit because you know there there is little original thought on the Jen Psaki side of the house. <laughs> I mean, oftentimes they're just they're just taking uh, Trump's uh, best and uh, repackaging it and claiming their own. But they're they're now they're calling them uh, strategic competitors. China is a strategic competitor. Wow, that's a real boy. That's a you know uh, no, no, they're not a strategic competitor. They uh, they intend to uh, uh, put us out of business uh, peacefully or otherwise. And this is a, they are a grave, a mortal, an existential threat that we need to address. We cannot treat them as non-malign actors anymore when they, in any venue, any forum, they have shown to be malign. They will lie, cheat, and steal on outrageous levels uh, that are just, you know, preposterous. And, and they, they always have. And that's and, statement. That's and what did the Obama administration do? You know, the Obama administration is the uh, is uh, the OPM breach festered and grew, and you know we had a huge part, a huge patch of gangrene develop. I was inside, and I was inside, you know, having to work with senior Obama officials, and I just meeting after meeting where the Obama officials just were angry angry that china just was not responding to the brilliance and the greatness of the aggressive speech making by obama and they just didn't realize we were clearly the smart ones and uh why weren't they falling in line with us and it's just nobody takes i'm sorry no china doesn't take it nobody takes us aggressive lecturing seriously and this lecturing down to yeah and 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 we we have a a, a class uh, of folks on the blue side for the most part that are just utter pontificators that are sheer ideologists most of the time have no idea what they're talking about uh yes yeah, so they will they will give abstract lecturing and speeches and I'm, i had to live this over and over again with our international partners give a tangible action give a tangible outcome not an abstract they they the obama folks rarely could articulate and and it's even worse with the biden team but they could rarely articulate they could maybe say grand end states such as mm -hmm. uh world you know norms of world behavior generally accepted norms of behavior okay well yeah yeah that sounds good but what is that in the in the ways and means what does that mean and they could never get to it they could never get to it and i had so many uh, you know trusted partners that just were sick of this abstract lecturing the obama team and now even worse with the biden team can never quite be tangible, specific, concrete, measurable. What is the measurable outcome? What is the specific and precise action? They could never do it. They would just always lecture to the general uh, in, in general terms. And, mm -hmm. and our, our key strategic partners saw through that in a heartbeat. They loved Trump. They loved the clarity of Trump. Yeah. They loved that like it like his mean tweets or not you knew what he meant and you knew that he meant it mm -hmm. 
with the Obama and the Biden team, nobody takes them seriously. And this, I get offended when just the other day, I had to ask somebody to stop using this expression uh, in a forum because they kept on saying the isolationism of Trump. I, Trump is not an oh isolation. That is an abject <laughs> lie. It is. That is yeah. an absolute intentional disingenuous misuse of the term and the meaning and what was really going on. It was very clear and simple. Trump was going to be America first, as all other nations should be their own country first. The world That's works right. best with functional nations that assert their values and work it out peacefully. Okay. The world right. works best. Okay. So he was going to be America first. Uh, we were not going to get involved in never-ending wars, and we were uh, we were not going to get in in get locked into ironclad treaties and get yeah. drug into war. Um, and we were going to, but we were going to stand up to, to to thug nations. We were going to stand up to those nations that not did not live and exhibit these these uh, excuse the expression Western values. But he expected all nations on our side to bear the burden and bear their their fair share yep. and that's where the obama biden team lets everybody get gets a pass i mean hey if if putin pours gas on the on the fringes of the ukraine uh most of the european military is feckless and a in a shadow of what it was during the cold war and yep. essentially can't do anything so who does it fall on falls on us Unacceptable. Unacceptable. It is. It is. Not to mention that the Germans uh, and President or, or the Biden regime have have uh, re-enabled Nord Stream two, so that Russia is supplying natural gas to the continent and to Germany. So they're not going to want to fight them. Uh, I mean, it's just not in their interest, uh, and that's the key. That's yeah, the key. Is, Nations are going to act in their interest if they're strong nation states, and that's the way the world works better than this other gobbledygook uh, that these people uh, spout. I mean, all that does is create weakness that uh, people like Chairman Xi and Vladimir Putin like to take advantage of. We've yeah. seen it time and again in, in world history, especially in yeah. the 20th century, well, haven't we? If, if, if Team Biden was at all seriousness, just about the Ukraine part, we're not even talking about the China part yet, which is the mm -hmm. real issue in game. Yeah. But if they were serious about Putin, uh, um, they could solve this in a nanosecond by unleashing American energy. They could yeah. shut because Putin and she, we could put them out of business, hold them at risk, make them essentially have the force to, you know, force our way and our will. But instead, he destroys American energy. And Germany goes to Russia. We were dominant in energy. Yeah. People need energy. This everybody's going to drive around an electric car powered by a uh, by a, a solar wind turbine or whatever. It's or a Chinese battery. Yeah. It, it's it's <laughs> just people need energy, and they need diversity mm -hmm. of energy, and they need diversity within those sources of energy. And we well, you know the yeah. You know the leftists are a joke when it comes to energy because they won't they won't build nuclear plants with the latest technology, which are very very safe, uh, and that's the only really reliable mass energy source that we have that that is reliable enough uh, 
uh, to, and powerful enough to power the world uh, and not be on a carbon footprint. Uh, that's the key thing. Because even solar panels have a carbon footprint. Uh, you know, the manufacturer of the wind turbines have a carbon footprint. They use oil, as a matter of fact, to lubricate the turbines and everything. So it's incredibly dumb. Uh, and, uh, and you're right. They could solve this immediately. That's why people hated Donald Trump, I think, the most, is that is he sought and, and won energy independence. And that really was changing the world. You notice the first thing Biden did was remove our energy independence with an executive order or two. Shameful, shameful behavior. It hurts yeah. Americans. It hurts the world. It increases the likelihood of conflict. It makes us de dependent on, uh, on uh, uh, regimes we shouldn't be dependent upon. It forces our allies to go to other countries instead of us. It makes no sense. And that's exactly what they do anyway. And they're doing it on purpose. I don't believe it's a mistake. It's what they want to do and uh, get back to America last. Uh, that's where they're at. Uh, but we'll win. We'll recover it. And this time, we better do the right things instead of be afraid to do the right things if our side ever gets power again. Well, John, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, where can people find you? I've had your getter handle up uh, for the show the whole time here at Colonel Rhett John. Uh, yeah. Anywhere else on social media? Yeah, da Daily Missive, Daily Missive on uh, Telegram, mm -hmm. Colonel Rhett John on Getter. Uh, my website is is primarily my www.National Election Integrity Association, which really trains Americans to retake their county. The county is the foundation of America, so I teach Americans how to retake control of their election registrar, their election board, their county council, their school board. Everything depends upon the citizen retaking the county. Take care of your county, that country will follow. So www.neia.us, and uh, but yeah, uh, uh, retire uh, uh, Colonel retired Colonel Rhett John on Getter daily missive on telegram. All right, my friend, thank you very much. And uh, I do want to get you back at the end of January, 2022 to talk about what you saw in the Virginia elections, uh, because you've been on the show uh, several times leading up to the 2020 election. Uh, and then uh, after it to talk about election integrity. Uh, and uh, I want to do a show that's dedicated to just what you saw and what you've been advocating for folks to do and how well it worked or didn't. Uh, so that as we go into the primaries in 2022, people will have something to turn to. And I look forward to that. I've seen your feedback writings on it already. And uh, we have an exciting opportunity to, to right the ship when it comes to our republic. Uh, if folks will stand in the breach and put their shoulder to the wheel, and it takes every one of us to do it. Yes. Amen. Thank you. It's always an honor to be with you, uh, Rob. And we need more Churchill, less Halifax. Absolutely. And Merry Christmas, my friend. Uh, Merry we Christmas. will see you next month. All right. Take care. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, that was retired Army Colonel John Mills, also former senior DOD defense official, uh, talking the real deal on why we need Churchillian thinking versus 
uh, Halifax thinking or Neville Chamberlain thinking and how that will keep us out of war uh, that kills millions of innocent people around the world. But if we don't do it, we face a very aggressive set of adversaries, I think, over the next five to 10 years. Until next week, I'm Rob Manis, and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays.